This is, this is the theme that we had for this weekend at our, at our worship retreat. God potential in the midst. And you see there's a word tent in the middle. That's pretty clever, isn't it? And we'll try to make a tent here this morning. But there's some, there's some significance in that too. Kids, who can tell me who is Moses? Do you know who Moses is? Yeah? Who is he? What did he do? He took the Israelites out of Egypt. Very good. Do you know who Joshua is? Who's Joshua? What did Joshua do? He taught people about God. Yes, he did. Anyone else? Joshua. Yeah, they went around Jericho. Joshua was the one that led the Israelites across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Okay? So... I talked a little bit um, the other night from Exodus 33, verse 7 to 11, and I'll just give you a bit of background. So, so here's the Israelites, they're out in the middle of the desert, and uh, Moses has gone up onto the mountain, and God's given him the Ten Commandments, and he's come back down, and he's discovered that the entire Israelite nation is worshipping false gods, and, you know, they've just gone off the rails, and... Uh, Anyway, and Moses has this amazing relationship with God. And God says to Moses, I've had enough. I'm out of here. I'm going to lead the Israelites with an angel, but I'm not going to have anything to do with you, but I'm still going to take you to the promised land and all that kind of thing. So, and Moses was like, oh God, come on, give us another chance. And he was, he was asking God to hang around. And because of the relationship that Moses had with God, he was able to actually convince God to change his mind, which is, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? And so God said, all right, I'm going to hang around, but I'm not actually going to come into the camp. And so what Moses did is he, he set up a tent, a tent, out away from, away from where they were, they were settled and he would go out there and he would worship God. And when he went out there, everyone would see that he was walking off. You, know, you could see him walking out, out of the campsite, towards his tent, towards God's tent. And so all the people in the camp would see. And so they would come and they would stand and they would watch. And then Moses would go inside the tent and the presence of God would fall like a cloud. And Moses would... It says, it says in the reading, it says, Moses talked to God as if he was talking to a close friend. Again, wow. And the Israelites stood back and watched, and then when Moses went in, the presence of God fell. They fell to their knees in worship, but they were distant. They weren't, they weren't there. And then right at the end, it says, and Joshua, son of Nun, was also in the tent with Moses. He was his assistant. And it says, after Moses had finished worshipping and talking with God and left, Joshua stayed behind in the presence of God. And there's a couple of key things there that I want to challenge us with. Firstly is, I'm just going to touch on the Israelites. The Israelites were distant. They lived in the Old Covenant. They lived in a time where they weren't able to enter into that holy place and be in communion with God because just that's, that's the way it was. But Jesus came and he died on the cross and he, and he created this new covenant. As, you know, as we talk about in, in communion, God sent his son and Jesus died and it, 
and it wipes everything clean and puts us in right standing with God. So if you feel like when you're coming to worship, if you're distant and you can't enter in because you're feeling like you're just not worthy, then stop it. Because Jesus' death on the cross allows us to come and to be in that place, to be in the midst, to be where God is, to be talking with Him face to face, to have that friend-to-friend relationship. So that's the Israelites. So Moses as well, he was coming with intent. You could see that he was walking out to the tent. He had, he had things to do. He wanted to meet with God and he knew he was going to meet with God and he, was, he would have been preparing himself as he was walking out. So I want to challenge us that, that when we're entering into a place where we know God's going to be, that we're coming with intent, that we're focusing on who God is. And then Joshua. I would love to know what was going on with Joshua. You know, it just, re- it just says he remained in the presence of God. And at this point, he has no idea what's coming. He's just there. He's just helping out Moses. You know, he's, I don't know what jobs there might have been in the tent, but I mean, he was just standing around watching, really. He was observing what Moses was doing and he, was, he himself was building that relationship with God. But if we then fast forward and look at the story that happens, it's Joshua is one of the spies that goes into the promised land and, I, and is confronted by the giants and all of the scary things that were in the promised land. But he comes back and he says, yes, we can do this because God's telling us that we can do this. And then, as was said, he led the Israelites across the Jordan and around Jericho and the walls came crashing down. Amazing amounts of faith. But it was that time in the midst, in the presence of God that he spent with, Josh, uh, with Moses that I'm sure God was building that relationship so he knew. He might not have known at the time, you know, or I'm sure. He had absolutely no idea what was to come. So can I just encourage you, if you are in a place where you really don't know what's coming, if you are questioning where you're going in life, get into the presence of God and that's it. Just remain in his presence in everything. Hand everything over to God. All right. So that's me for the moment. Who's next on my list? Mitch. Get in the midst. Get in the midst. I love it. I love it. Uh, I have been thinking a lot about abiding in God. What does abiding mean? I don't really know, but exactly, getting in the midst, getting in the midst. Um, well, John 15 uh, verse 5 tells us, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. Verse 4 says something similar. It goes, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit for itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Unless you abide in me. Do uh, I've been thinking a lot about abiding, the vine, fruit, but also a lot about water. Sort of, I love that ocean song, you know, step out on the water and thinking about the trust that Peter had to have to step out on the water to walk to do that step the trust that 
Joshua had to have when leaving, leading the people across the Jordan to step into the water so that the waters would pass. And in all those times, nothing happened until they actually got to the water. So I was thinking about abiding, the vine, the fruit, getting to the water, sort of being in God's water generally. And then I was thinking about rivers and sort of currents and, and all this kind of thing. I was thinking, gee, Jesus, because I'm in Jesus, I'm like, I'm in his river. I'm in his water. I'm abiding in his water. And if I swim against his current, <laughs> I'm just going to get tired. <laughs> I'm going to get so tired. I'm going to be like, oh, you know, what's the point of swimming here? What's the point of just being in this water if all I'm going to do is get tired and not go anywhere? A bit like, what's the point of being a branch if I'm not going to have any fruit? What's the point? So that's just what I've been thinking about. It's a pretty simple thing. But I just encourage you to swim with God's current. Just to abide in God. Swim with His ways. He will produce much fruit. And you'll go a long, long, long way down the river. You'll do great things. That's all. (laughs) Cheers. Shelley. Hi, everybody. I'm Shelley. Um, I have, I've been at the worship retreat and we, s- we started singing a couple of new songs and as we were singing them on Friday night, um, I was given an image um, and I feel like God was encouraging me and I don't know if he's encouraging other people to um, go back to having a childlike faith and trusting that God is good. Um, so the image that I saw was kind of, um, you know, those perspective images where you can see all of the things coming to a point. And along there, there were um, logs. And there was a little person, a child, um, walking along, balancing on the log. And they come, kind of stumbled a few times, but their dad was there with them. And he was holding their hand. And so they were steadied. And they came to a point where there was a gap between the two logs. And they had to make a decision about whether or not they would go forward. And they decided that they could go forward because Dad was there by their side holding their hand. And so they could trust that Dad being there meant that they could get to the next point. So just encouraging you that if you're at a point of making a decision and needing to take a step out in faith that he is there and he's holding your hand and he's, he's ready to catch you if you are stumbling or if you um, make a wrong turn there. That's all i got. Thanks, Shelley. All right, one more. Alison. I'm just a ring in. Yesterday morning, quite early in the morning, <clears throat> I woke up thinking about a lot about um, how as humans and sadly particularly women operate very much on how we feel for that day. And I was thinking about how important it is that we are th- operating and living out of our knowledge of God and the truth that we know about God and his promises to us 
rather than our feelings. Because I don't know about you, but if I wake up with a feeling of extreme tiredness, then I oper- every conversation I have, comes from, I operate out of my tiredness. I operate, everything I do comes out of my tiredness. And I was just laying on the couch going, Lord, how do I not do that? How do I step out in your truth every single day? And I was just thinking about God's promises and how... <coughs> The Bible is full of God's good promises for us, but how easy it is to not not um, remember them. And when and I was just remembering a thing that I'd read about when we live out of our feelings, we end up with things like anger and stress and worry and fear, and those sorts of things come into our lives. And um, when those things rise, we have to really consider those um, the possibility that our underlying Um, belief is that God's goodness for us and his love for us is limited and that there is an end to it and I was really confronted by that (coughs) when I read that and I was just thinking um, and just asking God how do we do that Lord and he was just showing me about how I need to know him and I need to know his word so that I can draw on it when I need to Anyway, it's long story short, <clears throat> I was just laying there and Abby May, my just four-year-old daughter, she was up early too, actually she was the reason why I was up early and um, she was just drawing in, so this was over about half an hour, she'd just been drawing in the corner on her little table and she, just when I was sort of really just praying and reading God's word, um, she came running over to me and she said, mummy, mummy, look what I've drawn for you and you will be amazed what she drew for me. And she said, I'm really sorry, Mum, I couldn't find my purple texter. And I'm like, and I just wept because I was so amazed that God was speaking through my four-year-old to remind me of how important God's promises are. And we know that in Genesis, in that story, with Noah, look, it's so cute, look. In, In Genesis it says, that when God, then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds and it is a sign of my covenant with, covenant with you and with all the earth. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every little living creature on earth. When we know in that story, God's talking about his promise to never flood the earth again. <coughs> And he's proven faithful to that, hasn't he? And in Psalm 18, it says that all of God's promises prove true. All of them. Not some of them or not just part of them. All of them prove true. And so I, would, I just wrote down some promises. That God gives us the desires of our heart when we submit to him. That he supplies all our needs according to the riches in heaven. His riches in heaven. Now, that's pretty huge, huge that we can have strength from him to scale any mountain, any wall that we have to face, that nothing formed against us will prosper, that he will lead us beside still waters, that his favour on us lasts a lifetime and that no good thing does he withhold from those who walk um, uprightly with him. And I just was thinking, you know, in Psalms how it says to recall his good deeds, to remember all he has done. And I just really felt like with the rainbow, 
with thinking about God's promises that God is so faithful to us and that it's so important that we walk out every single day knowing who God is and who, what he promises us no matter what happens in our lives. And God doesn't promise that we will not have hardship, that we won't have troubles in our lives. But the fact is that when we're trusting in God, it's not about the absence of problems. It's about the presence of an all-knowing God in our lives. And I just was so changed by that yesterday. And I hope you take that on today as well. Just remembering that rainbow, remembering the bow he put into the, in the sky, reminding us that he, all of his promises prove true. All of them. So if you need a promise to hang on to, then you go home and you open God's word and you find one and you write it out and you put it on your wall and you proclaim it. You claim it for yourself every day. Thank you. Thanks, Ali. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Awesome. Hey, I'm just standing with my back to you. Sorry. I just want to share with you one more thing as well, which is, is something that that I heard the other day, and I think it's a really great example of, again, who God is uh, in our lives and the way that he operates. And that is that, that God is a bit like a GPS system in a car. We all know what a GPS system is, don't we? A godly positioning system. Um, yeah, so it was described to me like this. God, God knows the ultimate destination of where he wants us to go. He, you know, it says in his word, he has a, a plan for us. He has a future and a hope for us. So he has this ultimate destination of where, in the ideal world, where we're going to end up. And so he is in the car of life with us. And we've got control of the wheel. And God says, go left in 50 meters. And it's up to us, though, isn't it, to say, oh, yeah, okay, God, I'm going to go left in 50 metres. Or oh, actually, no, I think I might go right. And so we turn right, thinking that we know best. And God, being the loving Father that He is, doesn't have a tantrum like, uh, no, I won't say anything, but like, like we do when we don't get our way, we might stamp our feet and throw our arms in the air and whatever. He doesn't throw a tantrum and step out, get out of the car and say, right, that's it, I'm done. He remains in the car and he recalculates. And then he finds the next best path to get to that ultimate destination. And... Um, you know, we're only here for a limited amount of time and I don't want to be morbid about that, but it's true. We've got a limited time span here on earth to do the things that God's calling us to and, and I don't know about you, but I would actually like to reach the destination that God has intended me to reach rather than chasing after my own human interest and my own selfish desires. But the other side of it is that you might also have an issue where you're not exactly sure how to operate the GPS in terms of maybe it's got the wrong settings and it's set to Spanish and you don't know Spanish. What do you do then when God says, turn left in 50 metres in Spanish? I don't know what that is. I'll, I thought I would impress you and come up with something, but 
No, I'm not going to try. But God's given us a manual, hasn't he? He's given us his word. And, and we can read in that and we can find out who God is. We can, we can learn who he is. We can learn his language. We can have our ears and our hearts tuned to the way that God thinks. And so I just want to encourage you again. It's being in the midst. It's, it's coming in and being in the presence of God, spending time with him, being in his word, you know, knowing the things that, that, you know, God has a good plan for us. If we're swimming with the current, that we're just going to do amazing things. As Mitch said, we're going to go a long, long way. And that's not for our benefit. That's for God's benefit. But we still benefit out of that, don't we? Like it's just God's love on us is just amazing. You know, and he's there with us at every step of the journey, like Shelley was talking about, you know, jumping from log to log. He's right there. If we lose, lose our balance, he's going to grab us. Awesome. You know, his promises are there, like what Ali was sharing and, and that awesome picture that Abby did. I just, that just blows my mind. I, would, I too was a little bit emotional when Ali showed me that last night when I got home. And I don't know why I was surprised, but God can work in all things, even through you kids, you little kids and stuff, just listen to what God is saying to you. Worship Him. Be in His presence. Read His words in the Bible. Learn who He is. And in the same way, you will learn where you're going as well. So can I just encourage you in that? I'm not going to talk anymore.